0: This episode is sponsored by Cytrat Magazine, one of the best outdoor adventure magazines you can get your hands on. It blends beautiful photography and fantastic tales of adventure together for you in one magazine. You can subscribe to the free Field Journal newsletter using the links in the show notes and also check out a subscription to their magazines. Fantastic quality, beautiful words. I really hope you enjoy it. Check them out. Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. If you enjoy the episode, then please do follow and share it with a friend. And a five star review will always help in a big way wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really enjoy the episodes, then please do consider becoming a patron of the show. Finally, sign up to our free monthly newsletter giving you some much-needed updates in the world of adventure. Just use the link in the description. Today's guest is mountain climber Tom Livingston.
1: Really to quite a high standard, and then I sort of thought, well, what if you could take that difficulty and put that at 6,000 or 7,000 metres, because... Wouldn't that be absolutely amazing? It's one thing to like climb an 8,000 meter peak by walking and, you know, never needing to use your hands, for example. And it's another to say, well, let's try and do the hardest thing we can possibly do.
0: With the climbing career spanning from Scotland to the European Alps, from Patagonia to the Karakorum, I'm super excited to bring the interview with Tom today. We chat starting off just a bit about his background and what alpine style climbing is, but we very quickly start to explore all of his achievements. He's done first ascents of new routes and mountains, Cozum, Latoch 1. We explore his passion for the Karakorum, his passion for climbing, and just his views and can-do attitude approach to risk and danger in the mountains which he has unfortunately experienced both directly and indirectly. I really really hope you enjoy the interview do check out Sidetrack magazine as well while you're at it and let me know what you think on btmtravelpod at gmail.com but with no further delay let's get into the interview. So Tom, how are you doing today?
1: Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah.
0: So coming coming to us from wonderful Greece at the moment. Uh, thank you very much for for coming onto the show and wanting to chat to us about climbing and, and your your career so far. I suppose starting off right at the beginning, what was growing up like? Was it adventurous?
1: Yeah, certainly good fun. Um, if um, not particularly mountainous or anything like that because it's from I'm from the south of England but um, certainly great fun I guess you could say it was like a broadly speaking a childhood of uh, outside and camping and going on long walks and stuff like that which I'm sure at the time I wasn't too psyched on but uh, (laughs) yeah no we certainly explored we did loads and loads of family camping trips and things like that I think the one particular one was like going to Northumberland for a week and uh, the weather was just absolutely terrible, and we had a great time in a really quiet and quite rugged part of the world. But yeah, I sort of wonder, like, did my fa- parents not check the forecasts before we went and just be like, <laughs> "Well, there's a there's a hurricane hitting. Let's just go anyway."
0: It might be just a purposeful character building for you or something. <laughs> um, exactly. Maybe. Did you Did you ever do any like rock climbing or anything uh, as a kid, or or anything particularly? I guess would you say sporty?
1: Yeah plenty of sport and um, I was really really passionate about that then that led on to outdoor sports and climbing was just one of them. Um, I only did a little bit of climbing every now and again from about the age of 14 and um, then it wasn't until going to Bangui Uni or, or sort of having a year off before uni and then going to the Alps, and then going to Uni where I climbed as much as I could.
0: This um, this podcast covers adventures broadly, and I think we were sort of chatting about this before. So for those who don't know, what is alpine-style climbing?
1: Well, I guess you could say it's the simplest way to climb a mountain. And everyone knows that you can go up a mountain um, by starting at the bottom and um, walking up, or climbing up to the top in one go. It's keeping things really, really simple in that respect. So with with uh, that in mind for climbing, it's basically you and a friend or uh, a couple of partners. You've got all your food and equipment um, in a backpack and you start um, at the base and you climb until you get to the top or something stops you and you have to bail. So... There are no camps where you will go up and come down and then up and then come down. There are no uh, fixed lines. So then there are no ropes attached to the mountain, which you might have put in place or someone else puts in place, um, which make things easier. Because if you're climbing up a, a rope, then that's easier than climbing the rock. You're not using things which you could say, kind of cheat or bring the mountain down um, as a lesser challenge by using oxygen, for example, supplemental oxygen. Mm. Um, you're not using someone else to carry your stuff like a Sherpa. Um, so all these things are each to their own type of thing. All these uh, different styles or names that you can call these things are each to their own. But broadly speaking, Alpine style is starting at the bottom and going to, starting at the base of the mountain and going to the top. And you could argue is the cleanest or purest or best style to climb these peaks. It's kind of meeting the mountain as a, as you find it, as a, as a challenge. Uh, you're not leaving loads of rubbish, oxygen bottles or tents or fixed ropes. You're not leaving any junk on the mountain. And I'm afraid to say that um, this does happen with pretty much any peak which is... Um, which is which is climbed using these fixed ropes or anything like that. They do leave the mountain in a mess. They might say, oh, we've cleaned up. But there's everything from dead bodies to oxygen to fixed ropes. All this junk gets left in the mountain. Whereas alpine climbing, as in climbing which originated in the Alps, um, in the European Alps, which is much more of a going up, coming back down, leave the mountain as you find it. Um, type of a- attitude that um is perhaps a better way to climb you could say
0: Yeah, mm. i was going to say you, you you'd mentioned before that it's it's more of a pure form is that why you love it so much
1: yeah i mean certainly it just keeps things simple yeah it's just you and a mate it's certainly the, one of the more committing one of the more adventurous one of the more natural ways to climb
0: researching um for for this interview as well was was brilliant seeing the sort of more european alps and scotland experience all the way through to the high altitude for you how do they compare the high altitude routes and the the nice perfect winter scotland routes
1: um they all have their place in uh the world uh, climbing scene and they all have their um Different levels of enjoyment. I think technical Scottish winter climbing is amazing, and um, then you can just climb the, the hardest difficulties or the hardest pitches, for example. And then you can expand that to climbing in the Alps, which is just more uh, several days and things like that. And then uh, boost it up to climbing in the Himalaya, for example, Karakoram, which again is just more, more and more and more. It's more committing, um, more. Uh, time spent in the mountains, higher altitude, uh, more effort to get there. Not necessarily as technically hard as climbing in Scotland or climbing in the Alps. Um, depends where you go and what you what you try. But um, yeah, different types of climbing. I suppose it's a bit like bouldering where you're trying really, really hard, single moves. And then sport climbing where we're trying slightly easier moves but over... 10 20 30 40 meters or Mm. whatever so yeah technical scottish winter climbing i think certainly has its place because it teaches you how to mix climb it teaches you how to place gear and i think the uk climbers have a, a big reputation for taking that traditional ethic and the skills gained from it and taking that to the alps and then to the bigger mountains again perfect uh, if, if you could only climb
0: one which one do you think you'd do would you always do high altitude from now on or would you only ever do the scotland and alps stuff
1: i don't think i could choose they're both brilliant <laughs> for their uh, individual quirks and, and merits um certainly i am a little bit motivated by difficulty so the single hardest pitches that you do in scotland are brilliant but then Um, The overall satisfaction and the the deep levels of contentment and exhaustion that you get after coming down from a big mountain are um, absolutely brilliant. You just feel so content for a long time afterwards if you manage to do something big in the big mountains. Some of your great achievements has been from this region. So I
0: kind of wanted to, to probe you on it. What is it about Pakistan that draws you to it each time?
1: Well... I think it's a very interesting country to travel through. It's very rich, very diverse, rich in the sense of its culture. Um, It has some of the best mountains in the world. Um, So, for example, the Karakoram is just brilliant. Um, Often really high quality granite. And so you can be climbing technical hard routes um, at high altitude. It's also, yeah, full of... uh, amazing food which is always nice i've been meaning to go to nepal for a few years and was supposed to go in september october november 2020 but um for obvious reasons that didn't come off so i'm excited to explore other areas and i've been to um india to patagonia to alaska and they're all very good quality ranges
0: yeah patagonia seems to be quite another popular place again this is coming from people who listen to the show they'll know i'm not uh, I'm not a, a rock climber yet, maybe, but um but the things I've heard about Patagonia as far as rock climbing go are quite uh, quite insane. So far yeah, we've only done skiing skiing kayaking <laughs> i on a, on this podcast in Patagonia. So we'll, we'll have to get a a mountaineering one, I think. But um you have done uh, a couple of uh Late top One and uh I oh, was it Koyozom? Yeah. Uh, they were the new routes and I was wondering how do you go about researching and finding these new mountains and these new routes to climb?
1: For many of these trips, um, you will hear of existing challenges or existing um, existing climbs that haven't been done, that might have been attempted, that haven't been done, for example. And that was the case with Latok 1. Um, people have tried uh, climbing Latok 1 from the Choctaw Glacier, the north side. For 40 years. Um, so we'd known about this for a long time. So that was an obvious thing to to try. Um, but for other trips, we've just gone to go for an explore, go for more to more adventurous areas and so forth. Um, a trip last year in 2019, um, Will Sim had done a lot of research about the Hindu Raj region, which is sort of an extension of of the Karakoram towards Afghanistan. And so he'd approached uh, myself and three other friends, so that we were a team of five and said, what about going to this area? So that really that was Will who had uh, found or um, not found the challenge, but um, sort of rediscovered the range a bit because nobody had really been there for about 50 years to that particular mountain. Yeah, so it it often takes a, a mixture of knowing about a region and if it has some high quality objectives in there then you do a little digging and a little google earth um Uh zooming around and reading lots of reports and sometimes you get lucky and come up with a gem
0: i was wondering uh, during lockdown and and not being able to do too much especially in the earlier part of this year has has the list of mountains and roots to do grown quite considerably or, or have you been able to knock someone off the list
1: no, no, it certainly has. Yes. Um, yeah, I've had plenty of time to explore peaks on Google Earth and to um, to get really fired up. Um, I know, of course, that uh, me not being able to go rock climbing or to go climbing in the mountains this year is um, is a minor minor gripe. But it certainly is obviously frustrating for everyone. But certainly frustrating when I had a lot of momentum from the last few years mm-hmm. in terms of climbing and then to have that uh like um stopped is a bit unfortunate but um yeah you can't really get angry about it or you can't get frustrated about it there's nothing really i can do but yeah it was quite frustrating i had three big trips planned this year that have all been cancelled so uh hopefully we'll pick up the momentum next year
0: yeah i, I mean i was on? watching um a video you made uh for for the love um uh, was it 2016 uh Something you made like that. that yeah yeah and it was just you, you described it as just being sort of expedition following expedition following expedition and it was a really great piece of film you, you did so much that year so if the momentum has only continued from then i can only imagine how much climbing you're doing so so yeah, well, but yeah you're
1: keeping busy thanks i think you're right like
0: if you can't control something don't don't sweat it like i guess it's hard this year but
1: yeah i mean as reasons go a global pandemic is probably the biggest reason <laughs> yeah. to, to uh, cancel everything so yeah, hopefully we can all have a bit more normality and go out and play and do what we want to do very soon. Mm.
0: Coming now sort of a cl- bit more closer to home, uh, you've spoken about Gogarth and Wales quite fondly in a couple of podcasts and I've seen a few pictures online too. I was wondering what makes it so special for you?
1: Hmm. I guess you could say that... Um, Gogarth certainly and and this style of climbing which is basically to be climbing uh, above the sea, rock climbing above the sea in summer and you could say that this type of climbing perhaps epitomizes like British trad climbing um, which is a little little bit adventurous, a little bit exciting, um, a little bit atmospheric and this crag Gogarth which is on the uh, island of Anglesey off Um, the coast of north wales is just absolutely amazing it's like 90 meters high it's sometimes gently overhanging it's got really good uh, quality rock often um, but not always and it feels really wild you're climbing directly above the sea and so it's exciting it feels a bit remote but now having gone there countless times um, it feels a bit like home and so whenever whenever i'm on these big trips a long way from the u k you kind of think back to rock climbing in the sunshine, where it 's nice and warm you 've got like seabirds wheeling beneath you and seals bobbing along and you 're putting in good gear and then sort of questing off and 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 climbing through amazing terrain, often quite three d um, so you can sort of like be be resting uh, with your with your hands completely off, but still having this huge exposure beneath your feet that feels really really cool and um, also one of the things I wanted to do for a while is to take that technical difficulty where you're you're rock climbing really to quite a high standard and then I sort of thought well what if you could take that difficulty and put that at 6,000 or 7,000 meters because wouldn't that be absolutely amazing it's one thing to like climb an 8,000 meter peak by walking and, you know, never needing to use your hands, for example. Um, and it's another to say, well, let's try and do the hardest thing we can possibly do. So that will be rock climbing, or that might be using your ice axes and crampons to climb as hard as you can, as high as you can. And that sort of epitomizes Alpine style as well. Going back to that. Yeah. In some ways, um, Gorgoth is great fun as a place to enjoy, but also it's sort of, um, planted a bit of a seed as well. And there's the, uh, the idea that sort of grew from quite a long time ago of taking that technical difficulty and then, um, climbing to high altitude. And that's why Koya Zom, the Pika climbed in 2019 with Alice Swinton. Um, was really quite special it's nearly seven thousand meters and we managed to climb a new route up this thing so alpine style starting Mm. at the base with just big rucksacks and and um, climbing to the top Um, but questing through really wild terrain really wild cliffs basically which really resembled gogarth it was good quality rock really steep and exposed and we could i pull on my rock shoes and then do some sort of cold hands crimping, mm. um, just like grabbing all these little holds with wild exposure, just thinking, well, I can see Afghanistan. The drop below me just goes on for a thousand meters. I'm in the middle of nowhere with just a, just my partner and I. Really, really special. Just the sun coming around onto the face right in the afternoon, evening. Mm. And so we would. it was just about warm enough for us to rock climb through this section and, and sort of make it through this little... Um, passage this this subtle weakness that the mountain had given us essentially to go through Mm. this giant wall which looked very much like gogoth awesome
0: i think it's just
1: incredible like hearing
0: hearing people's stories about climbing these these mountains honestly and and, yeah the views must just be insane as well at the the top yeah
1: of course yeah i mean it's well you felt very lucky i suppose i'm just gonna say it's important to put these things in perspective Mm. because 50% of the time you go to these big mountains and and it doesn't work out. We went to India the year before and um, just sat in a tent in the snow for four weeks basically and um, didn't get any climbing done. And you might try. Well, yeah, great, great curries (laughs) and great holiday. But yeah, obviously you go there to try and go climbing. So yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out and uh, sometimes you... um, have to accept just going home empty-handed, so it's important to keep things in perspective as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, talking about things not working out. Another thing I've um, I've picked up from interviews and from podcasts that you've been on is that you've sort of witnessed or observed danger uh, quite a bit. I mean, from directly, you've pulled your friend out of a crevasse, and. Indirectly, you've seen obviously the, the two Russians on, um, on, on What I was saying Latoch wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> um, tomato, tomato, Latok <laughs> one. Um, the two Russians obviously had gone into a, a bit of trouble. I was wondering, how do you process these events and, and keep a can do attitude? Mm,
1: I think, um, risk is a very interesting question. And really at the heart of it, you can start questioning why you climb or one could say, well, if it's risky or dangerous to go climbing in the mountains, why do it? And then you might say, well, um, is it worth the risk? And you could basically say that, uh, yeah, it's great fun. Um, why not climb it? Because um, there's plenty of other safe things to do but then um you can basically say um is it worth the risk yes because it's great fun and we can mitigate the risk as much as we can um is it um devoid of risk no what do you think when other people have accidents well it's bad luck or it's bad judgment or whatever you can sort of try and assess that or process that i guess i'm quite um or i guess it helps to be quite cold and not super emotive when it comes to risk in the mountains um there's not really a good um way to answer it and it sort of comes down to um how much do you want to go climbing and the answer is a lot so you sort of mitigate it or process it and then move on and, and hopefully climb as safe as you can but keep going I mean of course it does affect you risk does affect you and, mm. and seeing these things firsthand you wouldn't be human if you didn't um if it didn't have some effect yeah. on you but it's whether you can it's whether you take the same risks which i would argue is is not true for many instances and whether you um deal with them in the same way
0: you have talked about being unable to measure success in alpinism. Um, And it's subjective, uh, it is subjective and it's unique to the individual. Uh, So for you personally, what do you class as an epic day out that's worth repeating?
1: Well, one that's enjoyable, one that um, um, I gain something from, even if it's um, a supposed failure, if you like, where you don't climb to the top of something, you might still realize, Um, well I learned something from that Um, it would be with good good mates and it would have perfect conditions perfect weather we'd climb all the hardest things we've ever climbed we'd high five at the top and then get back down in time for tea and medals how about that (laughs) perfect
0: so um, yeah and and you've kind of segued nicely into that that next one as well which is that with so much uh, talk of of your achievements and your summits what's one expedition either in the UK or abroad that stands out to you where you, where you didn't reach the summit?
1: Oh, there have been absolutely loads. And, um, like half the time in the UK, like track climbing or sport climbing yeah. in the UK, I'll fall off. And, um, so therefore not get to the top of the climb. And then half the time on expeditions or big trips, we will come away. having had hopefully a good time, but, might not have get to the, gotten to the top of something, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing that there's not not one particular experience that stands out, um, but certainly many trips have made for um, some good memories. Yeah, rich memories.
0: Yeah, because I, I think a lot of people can get stuck in that sort of summit fever attitude can't they and and we've spoken on on the podcast i've said many times before that the mountain isn't going anywhere and you kind of just touched upon the same thing as well so like if you're if you're making it back safely then it can't be too much of a bad day it is uh, yeah
1: that's a thing that's completely right Yeah. yeah yeah coming back is very important
0: so um, I, I know as well that you said that you enjoy the the unpleasant element of alpine climbing too. So uh, again, I'm expecting you to just have a complete abundance of them. But are there any sort of type two fun moments that kind of stand out in your memory
1: quite a bit? Yeah, so of course there uh, are um, times like uh, well, like you've described where so type one would obviously be completely fun, and type two is sort of fun afterwards, and type yeah. three is it's never fun. there have been plenty of those sorts of things and and I guess it it goes back to what climbing is if it was all uh high fives and sunshine then I think I might um eventually miss a bit of the or it might just feel satisfying for a few minutes and then I'd um then I'd move on it's a bit like what sport climbing is for me it's fantastic fun really really enjoyable to be climbing um my level or just um having a great day out with friends and then you get down from one particular climb and you think oh that was great um that was really good fun right what's next so that that period of contentment is very very short whereas um with other forms of climbing for me the the contentment the reward is much richer much longer and that's partly because of what you put in. So just because um, alpine climbing can be cold and sleepless and uncomfortable or whatever, um, it just means that the contentment at the end of it is much greater. Mm-hmm. It's a much greater feeling of satisfaction. If you um, climb something in Alaska that you've been wanting to climb for ages, you've spent loads of money to get there, and you're camping on a glacier and it's just you and a mate in the middle of nowhere. And then you finally get some good weather and, and off you go and you try this thing. Um, you don't know what's around each corner. You don't know if each pitch will go and, um, you don't know how hard it'll be, but finally you're like, well, amazing. We're at the top. Um, and you make it back down safely alongside all the unknowns that that's associated with that. Yeah. It just feels brilliant to have sort of pulled off a heist almost uh, pulled off a bit of a trick like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, last question before we get into some wrap up ones in all of your climbing and your mountaineering career, what is one moment that you would love to relive?
1: Hmm. An interesting question. Um, (laughs) I suppose for the sheer um, satisfaction, if you like, of completing something, then getting to the top feels Mm. really, really special. Whatever it is, I mean, that that could be in Pakistan or that could be in Scotland or anything like that. But then that's sort of a double-edged sword because you get to the top and you think that's fantastic. But then really we're kind of halfway, we've still got to get down. unless there's some sort of gondola on the other side of the mountain where you can, or like a zip wire where you can, um, can get down, then really you're, you're basically at the point in which you're furthest away from anything. And you're simply at the point where you have to start down. There's no immediate satisfaction or long-term satisfaction associated with getting to the top. Um, but certainly, so getting down perhaps is, is more rewarding. I guess Luca Strazza summed up that feeling of abseiling down um, from the top of Latok 1, um, 7,000 metres in, in Pakistan in the Karakoram, and finally getting down to um, the glacier at 4,000-something metres. And uh, yeah, just like shouting with relief and satisfaction. But finally, your boots touching down on the glacier when you know you're safe. So that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Perfect. So a couple of wrap-up questions then. So if you had perfect conditions right now, would you rather climb in Scotland or the European Alps?
1: Hmm. I think I'd climb in the Alps um, because there's still plenty of time left to climb in Scotland this season. I suppose this is going out in January, so this could be prime Scottish conditions. Sometimes it feels um, like some of the bigger routes in the Alps can feel like multiple days out in Scotland stacked together. So I'm going to go for the Alps.
0: Nice. Um, if you had the mountains completely to yourself and any team members you may want to bring with you as well, or just on your own, would you rather climb in Patagonia or the
1: Hmm, That's a tricky one. I've never really had great weather in Patagonia, um, So I'd be psyched to go back to there. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't couldn't really choose between the two. Again, they're amazing places to climb and um, pretty wild. But for for the fact that um, I've been to Patagonia and not really had great weather and conditions, I'd be psyched to go back to there.
0: Perfect. And the last question, where can we keep up to date with your whole climbing
1: career? Well, I guess online. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah i guess i have a website blog thing where i um publish bits of writing and what's been going on um so yeah online
0: yeah and i'll, I'll leave i'll leave that in the show notes alongside instagram as well so if people want to see a few more photos sure, then yeah. they can do so but yeah listen tom thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been a real pleasure
1: thanks very much
0: what a stunning chat with tom there an incredibly experienced guy with such a kind of down-to-earth opinion and view on the outdoors and climbing in news of our community i've been hearing from a lot of you um, some great positive feedback on the recent episodes. so thank you so much for getting in touch the first adventure newsletter went out this week too it goes out on the 25th of every month so if you haven't already it takes about two seconds to click the link in the description and sign up for free no spam just adventure so what's there not to love give that a go but that wraps up january we've got some great episodes coming up in february alongside an announcement from myself too and a project thank you so much for listening get in touch and send us your thoughts on btmtravelpod at gmail.com like and follow the podcast on social media with the links in the show notes and below I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you in the next one.